hear the word of the Lord. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you bow? O Lord, open my lips and let my mouth declare your praise. In Jesus' name. When I was younger, I spent a whole lot of time out in the sun. When we were little kids, mom, she sunscreened us real good. She would coat us with so much sunscreen, it was like wearing Goose mayonnaise. Some of you have been there. But when I got older, I can remember being on the beach for hours with no sunscreen. Just a Hawaiian tropic with no sunscreen at all. I remember working for my dad in Florida. He had a landscaping lawn maintenance company, and I would be out in the sun all day, no sunscreen, and then at Clearwater Beach on the weekends, didn't take good care of my skin. As I got into adulthood and then had a little one, started to be much more careful with the sunscreen, and I'm very fortunate But each year, I go to the dermatologist for my annual skin check. My dermatologist tells me to sit on the table, and then he takes out a little magnifier, a little spectacle, and then starts to go over all of my skin, looking for anything that has changed since my last visit. The magnifier enables him to look at the coloration and the shape and the size, etc., of anything, anything that he sees that might be a concern. And he's able to then determine whether it needs to be uh, frozen off or whatever. I am sure that he would do just fine without the magnifier, but I'm glad that he takes that extra step to get a good look at everything. Thinking about magnification, enlarging things. What if the, if the game show Jeopardy had a category called the eyes have it, meaning the eyes we see with? And there might be an answer up on the screen, a microscope, binoculars, eyeglasses, an eyepiece. 
And then the answer, of course, in the form of a question would be, what are things that magnify? My mom gave me a magnifying glass some years ago. It's an antique, and I keep it on my desk here in the office, and it's very helpful when I'm studying commentaries or looking at the footnotes down at the bottom of the Bible that are often a small font. comes in very handy. Many websites use the magnifying glass as the icon for their the place where you click for help or, or searching. Even smartphones have magnification apps that enable you to enlarge the print of something so that you can read the instructions for your children's Tylenol or the ingredients on the Twinkie you just consumed. According to Webster's New World Dictionary, magnify means to make larger, and we know that, or to make something larger than it seems. In the ecclesiastical or the religious sense, it means to worship, to glorify, to praise or extol God. We think of exalting the name of Jesus above every name. Magnify comes from two Latin words put together, meaning to make great. In today's scripture, the gospel lesson of Luke, we just read Mary's song, but mostly it's known by its Latin name, Magnificat, which is the very first word in the Latin translation of her song in Luke's gospel. Magnificat anima mea dominum, which means my soul doth magnify the Lord. This has been set to music by the likes of Bach, Mozart, Tchaikovsky. And as I prepared for today's message uh, this week, I, I listened to several arrangements, including Bach and some others, and even Philip, one of your favorites, John Rutter, uh, who has a, a wonderful contemporary of the Magnificat. Mary, the mother of Jesus, uses the word in the ancient sense, meaning to extol or to praise. The meaning sounds archaic, and it is. It's Elizabethan. The meaning is more than 500 years old, not much longer used in everyday speech. We, we don't say things like, my soul magnifies my dear friend Stephen. He has done great and mighty things, helping me, a low, humble servant, and so on. We don't say that or hear it like that very often. It might not be a bad idea if we return to some of those more polite and civil ways in our world, but if and when we do, we probably won't be saying about uh, our, our things, our, our souls magnifying things, but you get the point. That in this final ancient sense of the word, Mary extols the Lord. She lauds and rejoices in God, her Savior. So the question is, could we make a case that Advent is a time when we should return to this word's primary meaning and enlarge our understanding of the incarnation, the coming to God, the coming of earth to God on earth in human form? It's easy to enlarge a freckle during my visit to the dermatologist. It's easy to enlarge a number eight font in a footnote. It's easy to magnify microorganisms in pond water from pond water under a microscope. But how do we magnify a God 
who spoke the universe into existence. God is bigger than life. God is greater than we can ever possibly imagine. How could we human beings, imperfect and sinful as we are, make God bigger? Perhaps there are some hints in Mary's song this Advent season that we might help others see God's amazing love through our kindness, our generosity, our care, and compassion. In our worship and adoration of Christ, we offer a view of him to the world that the world might otherwise miss altogether. How can we magnify the Lord in the sense of enlarging Christ during this Advent season? And I believe to do so, we turn to biblical history. We recall the life of Jesus. We lift up the majesty of God. And we recommit to following the Lord whom Mary magnified. So let's take out the magnifying glass, if you will, and take a look at the scriptures. Perhaps we would magnify the Lord by looking at the life of Jesus. Our souls can magnify the Lord as we watch him, embrace, share his love and care for those who are around him, that we might join the causes he championed. And what are those causes? The list is long. He urged repentance of sin. He required his followers to be servants. He was hard on the rich, and he lifted up the poor. He was on the side of the overlooked and the underserved. He had little little time for pompous religious types, and he believed that prayer was critical to the lives of his followers. In short, Jesus' mission was the salvation, redemption of all the world. It was a mission fraught with peril and one that succeeded only because Jesus enacted grand reversals every step of the way. He shunned the greedy and rich instead of seeking their favor. He embraced the poor and the needy instead of sending them away. He didn't own property and had no home to call of his own. He was humble to a fault and preferred to serve rather than be served. Everything the modern CEO isn't, it is, he wasn't. Everything the typical American wants and hopes to achieve, he didn't want to hope and achieve. Jesus relentlessly embraced the mission for which he was sent by his heavenly father. This is the son Mary grew in her womb. This is the child she raised. This is the God-man she mourned as he died at Calvary's cross. By taking a deeper dive into the life and work of her son Jesus, we extol the God who sent him, rejoice in the woman who gave him human life, and we glorify the person of Christ himself. We can also magnify the Lord through our praise. That's what we're doing here, y'all. 
there are a number of opportunities coming throughout the Advent and Christmas season for us to lift our praises to the Lord. And I'm so very thankful. The Magnificat is essentially a song of praise and worship from Mary. You can go online, you can go to YouTube and find some different ways that it is provided to us. You can listen to it on one of your own music apps. You can experience the calming and joyful rhythm of Mary's song. It was quickly set to music in the early church, especially the Gregorian chants, and also by composers throughout the world, as I mentioned earlier. The lyrics are timeless and without limitations of language or geography. Mary praises God for his mercy, for throwing tyrants off their thrones, and for humbling the proud. She places herself as one of the lowly servants who have found favor in the eyes of the Lord. She is astonished at the divine attention to her, a lowly maiden, and that God has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The fervor with which she praises God puts the church's worship wars of past decades to shame. Mary reminds us to pay attention to the words we sing when we join our collective voices in congregational singing. We're reminded that whether we find God in choral music or instrumentalists playing the guitar or drums or the strings, percussion or the organ, that God speaks to us through music and song and, and as we worship together. The God of Israel was indeed the subject of Mary's song, and she offers God her heartfelt praise, as should we when we worship. And we can also magnify the Lord through our lifestyle, through our words and our actions. We might begin by rejecting a quid a quid quo quo understanding of the Christian life. Quid pro quo means something for something or this for that. Sadly, too many people are wanting to know what's in it for me before I sign up to help for something. And that's pervasive in our culture. What's in it for me? It's a consumer kind of mindset. But as Christians, when we sign up to follow Jesus, we get a cross. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Often there is suffering involved, especially in other parts of the world, by people who profess to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary did not have a consumer kind of attitude, a quid pro quo kind of attitude. What's in it for me? Even when the angel Gabriel announces that he is placing Mary in a difficult position, an impossible position in her family and community, she humbly responds by saying, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. We follow Jesus because he's invited us. And let us not expect anything in return other than the grace that he so freely pours out upon us 
when we choose to make him Savior and Lord. When we approach the throne of grace, we receive mercy and find grace in our times of need. He is with us no matter what, no matter what we face. As you heard Pastor Jim in his prayer, God with us, Emmanuel. We can count on God to be with us no matter what circumstances, good or bad. Whether it's a curveball, a low sinker, or one of those wicked knuckleballs that we can't figure out what to do. God is with us. We magnify the Lord by recommitting our lives as his followers. Because if we're really honest, there is no one else worthy of such devotion. Religious nationalism says we can fall in love with our political leaders. The culture encourages worship of pop stars, movie stars, athletes, and so forth. And consumerism says to idolize billionaires and to emulate what they are doing. That is the pinnacle of success, they say. But there is no other human being worthy of our devotion than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. No one. May we magnify him this Advent and Christmas season. Right after the story of Jesus and Nicodemus in the third chapter of John's Gospel, we see Jesus and his disciples leave and go out into the Judean countryside. He was leaving his disciples to baptize believers, new followers. And at the same time, John the Baptist was also continuing his ministry. It was not uh, he was not far off from where Jesus and his disciples were. John the Baptist, remember we talked about him last Sunday. He was the one whom Isaiah prophesied that was sent to proclaim the name of the Lord, to prepare a clear way, a clear path for the Lord. He was a prophet announcing the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And so as Jesus was working with his disciples and and bringing people into the faith and baptizing them, someone who had noticed this went up to John the Baptist, questioning his ministry, insinuating that he should be concerned about this other one, this rabbi who was baptizing, making disciples. They said, in, as recorded in John 3.26, Everyone is going to Jesus. It would be like if someone came to me and said, Pastor Bob, there are, there are other churches in our area that are attracting people and, and they have large crowds and, and all of those things. Shouldn't you be concerned about that? They're growing faster than you, you are, for example. And I would say, thank God that people are going. Thank God that they're making disciples and that they're training people up as followers of Jesus. There is room in the kingdom for all. Isn't it good that we are not all the same? How boring would it be if every church were the same? 
But each church has its own unique calling and giftedness and place in the kingdom, a unique mission. And we here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church have a wonderful mission in our community and to the ends of the earth. And I'm so excited about what God is doing. But it would be easy for us to get territorial. It would be easy for us to be upset that other churches might be doing some pretty cool things and might be uh, attracting people in one way that maybe we aren't. But that's not where we are called. That is a consumer, selfish, prideful kind of mindset. How did John respond to that question where they said, what are you going to do? Everyone's going to Jesus. John responded with Mary-like humility. In verse 30 of chapter 3 of John's gospel, John the Baptist is recorded as saying, He must become greater, I must become less. Jesus must become greater, I must become less. And isn't that our call? Isn't that our posture that we magnify the name of the Lord Jesus, that he is greater and that we are less, that people see more and more of Jesus, less and less of Bob Lee. That's my hope and prayer that you and I together, magnifying the name of the Lord Jesus, stepping out of the way, that he would become greater, that we would become less. And we know that Jesus said, the exalted will be humbled and the humble will be exalted. Magnify has many different meanings. Choose one or all of them. Extol or enlarge, doesn't matter. Jesus, born in a cradle, died on the cross, destined for a crown, is worthy of all our praise. He is deserving of our magnification this Advent season. So let us go, therefore, out into the world as the light of the world, pointing to Jesus, that he would become greater and that we would be less.